0: The History Channel Original Podcast. Next week marks the start of the 2023 Women's World Cup, and Team USA is the heavy favorite. Again, they're ranked number one in the world. Again. Over the last decade, the stars of U.S. women's soccer have become household names. Alex Morgan, Abby Wambach, Megan Rapinoe. That level of popularity... It didn't happen overnight. In fact, as recently as the 1990s... I would say
1: non-existent from any fan perspective. I mean, kids were playing, of course, but it really wasn't, you know, on the big screen. It wasn't ever getting attention.
0: But that all started to change in 1999 when the U.S. made an epic run in the World Cup. And we got some legends to talk about it with us.
2: My name is Christine Lilly. I was a member of the 1999 World Cup team. I played in the midfield.
0: Brianna
3: Scurry. I played on the women's national team
0: as a goalkeeper for 14 years. Today, we talk with Brianna Scurry and Christine Lilly about that 1999 tournament. Why it was so significant in growing the sport in a country that famously hadn't invested much time, money, or thought in the soccer. Sports history this week. July 10th. 1999. Team USA wins with the whole world watching. I'm Kaylin Jones.
2: Life is full of what ifs, some awesome. Like, what if AI could fold your laundry?
0: In order to tell the story of the 1999 World Cup and just how big of an impact it had on the world of women's soccer, we actually have to go back to the previous World Cup, which was held in Sweden in 1995. USA goalkeeper Brianna Scurry.
3: That World Cup was so small, like... I feel like they didn't even let people who lived in the cities that we were playing in know that there was a Women's World Cup going on. I mean, we're talking like a couple thousand, a handful of thousand people at every game.
0: This is a time when women's soccer is underfunded and unsupported by fans around the world. But with the U.S. hosting the World Cup in 1999, Team USA decides they're gonna change that narrative.
3: We were the ones that were outselling our game. We were connecting with all these different clubs all over the country, you know, doing these barnstorming tours for two years. We were essentially, like, out-politicking for women's soccer, and that's what really helped fill the stadiums.
0: Team USA midfielder Christine Lilly. We did these little sneak attacks where we
2: would come to a a soccer field where a bunch of teams were practicing and just come up to a group of girls playing, and we'd walk up and say, hi. Oh, that's cool. (laughs) And these girls would, like, do a double-take and be like... Oh my God, that's Christine Lilly yeah, and holy cow. (laughs) I think that really showed what we had to offer and that really kind of sold people on coming to watch.
0: But the team still doesn't know if their hard work to popularize the game will really pay off. And at first, the organizers of the tournament are skeptical as well. They started with small stadiums across the United, or not even across the United States, I think
1: they started with small stadiums on the East Coast.
0: Amy Shipley covered the 1999 World Cup for the Washington Post.
1: And then they started selling tickets, and so they're like, whoa, this is interesting. All of a sudden, you know, you had bigger stadiums bidding. It became a real coast-to-coast event. We didn't realize it was gonna be sort of the tournament of the
0: summer. June 19th, 1999. The U.S. Women's National Soccer Team rides the bus to Giant Stadium in New Jersey where they'll play Denmark in the opening game of the third ever Women's World Cup. On board, there's a mixture of nerves and adrenaline. This game against Denmark is going to set the tone for the whole tournament. After years of women's soccer in the United States gaining very little support from fans, suddenly they're about to play in a stadium that holds over 80,000. And then they get stuck in traffic. We thought to
3: ourselves, we're like, who, who scheduled something at the same time we're playing? This is, this is ridiculous. But it turns out. We looked at the cars and realized there was like little girls in the cars with their faces painted and all this stuff. Go USA, like written on the windows. And we're like, oh,
2: (laughs) they're here for our game. Our public relations guy, Aaron, he comes on the speaker and says, ladies, the game is sold out and the bus just goes nuts. We all were like, holy cow. So we were so psyched, like, sweet, you know, people are here. And then we're like, sweet, now we got to win.
0: Nearly 80,000 screaming fans watched the United States overcome a few early defensive lapses to open the tournament with a dominant 3-0 win over Denmark. We approach the final whistle. And three points for the U.S. and a marvelous opening chapter to World Cup 99.
3: Nowadays, people talk about the curse of being the home team. And I'm like, what are you talking about? It's the best thing ever to be the host country. Are you kidding me? Those all those people are for you. That energy, they're they're like willing you to win. And I don't know, some people take it as pressure, but I'm not one of them.
0: Five days later, the U.S. faces off against Nigeria. And Nigeria makes the big mistake of scoring first.
3: We handled it, but like it was almost like they poked the bear and we were like, whoa. And so we just like basically just went like ran over them.
4: You talk about a wake up call. I think the wake up call was to the US in the first five minutes of the game. I can't even remember in years past when they've had this many beautiful goals.
0: The final score, seven to one. And just a few days later, Team USA completes a perfect sweep in the group stage with a three nothing win over North Korea. Three games three decisive wins. But these wins have been fairly easy. The veterans who have been around international competition for a while, they know that won't last. Can it be worrying at all that, you know, you get off to such a good start heading into the knockout rounds? No,
2: I mean, we never worried. It was just like our goal was to win each game. It's do or die, and you gotta win to keep going on. Then we went to play Germany in the Quarters
0: That was a whirlwind game. Whirlwind is right. Less than five minutes into the first half, U.S. defender Brandi Chastain intercepts a pass from Germany and gently nudges the ball back to her teammate, goalkeeper Brianna Scurry. It's a simple sequence that they've probably repped dozens of times. The only problem this time is that when Chastain makes the backward pass, Scurry isn't there. Chastain tried to pass the ball back to Scurry, but wound up kicking the ball into her own goal. It's their first match in the knockout stages, and the U.S. is in trouble.
4: We can tell Scurry is not happy. There's a big defensive breakdown there, miscommunication. I don't know if the, the crowd noise has gotten to them, but you gotta pass that ball off the face of the net so that you don't have these problems.
0: USA goes into halftime down 2 to 1. Head coach Tony Jachico tells the team, You've got 45 minutes left of your dream. That's it. They head back out, and four minutes into the second half... Off the hand corner, in the air, Chester down, Chester, goal! It's time! Brandi Chastain redeems herself from her first half mistake by firing in a goal to tie the game at two apiece. Chastain flops flat on her back to celebrate, a huge smile on her face
4: you know she's relieved.
0: After one more goal by defender Joy Fawcett in the 66th minute, Team USA beats Germany 3-2 to earn their spot in the semifinals. Maybe it wasn't their most dominant or cleanest win, but they'll take it. And however they get it done, it gave them confidence. After
2: that game, I think, in definitely in the back of my head, I'm like, we're winning this thing.
0: Team USA needs to keep it going not just for themselves, but really for the sake of the whole tournament. Remember, this World Cup is being held in America, where the American team had specifically spent years building up their own fan base. Former Washington Post reporter Amy Shipley. If they had lost
1: in the quarterfinals, the tournament would have tanked. You know, 80,000 people, 90,000 people weren't going to come out and watch Germany and China. Like, that was not going to happen. So I I feel like it wasn't just that they wanted to win and they wanted to be successful, but they were sort of carrying the weight of this whole tournament. It was such a transformative event for women athletes on
0: their shoulders. And next up is the semifinal game against one of the most soccer-crazed countries in the world, Brazil. It's win or go home.
1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. July 4th,
5: 1999.
0: On this Independence Day, the U.S. is set to take on Brazil in the semifinals of the Women's World Cup. Over the last few weeks, Team USA's success has created a genuine phenomenon. Amy Shipley, who covered the 99 World Cup for the Washington Post.
1: It was a particular sensation with families. You know, I think every dad wanted his daughter there. Every mother wanted her son there. And the kids got caught up in it because the games were so exciting. So
0: it it was a different kind of crowd. The players are feeling the love everywhere they go. Team USA midfielder Christine Lilly.
2: Every game we had, it, it felt like a snowball. Like, the more people were coming, more people recognized us. When we were at the airport, everybody was clapping and giving us high fives. Like, we were like rock stars. For me, I was like, oh my, i are like the Beatles.
0: Sports Illustrated copy chief Julie Kliegman, who has covered the rise of women's soccer in the U.S. in recent years, was one of those fans during the summer of 1999.
4: It was definitely a new sensation back then that they were so popular and they had people like asking for autographs and they would always stay as long as people wanted.
1: As the tournament went on, you know, the columnists started coming out. Like at that time, every newspaper had assigned their beat writer and then all of a sudden columnists were kind of jumping on the bandwagon saying, wait a minute, I got to go see this.
0: But again, all of that hype and excitement means nothing if Team USA can't win two more games. USA loves
3: a winner. I mean, there really is nothing else to say. The mandate for women's soccer in the United States for national team is to win everything, and the men don't have the same mandate, obviously, but to win everything.
0: (laughs) The U.S. won the first-ever Women's World Cup in 1991 and the Olympic gold medal in 96, Two accomplishments the men's side has, to this day, never done. But the pressure to keep winning is still massive. Brazil is up next, and the first few minutes are pivotal.
2: See how the USA starts this match. They've had a test of the nerves over the last
0: few games.
4: Well, they have. They've kind of come under what seems to be a curse, and early on in the games, they're not able to organize themselves tight enough defensively and have made some big, big mistakes.
0: Randy Chastain's own goal against Germany in the fifth minute. Nigeria's goal against them in the second minute. Even Denmark was just inches away from scoring a goal in the opening minutes of game one. Unfortunately, the semifinal against Brazil begins the same way.
3: We were flat as flat can be. I mean, it was just, Brazil was running all over us. It was like there was 13 of them out there. It was weird.
0: In the fifth minute, a breakthrough for the United States. USA
2: will bend it
0: across, the, it. the ball glances off the outstretched hands of Brazil's goalkeeper right onto the forehead of U.S. midfielder Cindy Parla, who launches it in. And look at Cindy Parlow
4: with her height and aggression, and
2: she
0: sends that ball home. With a 1-0 lead, the U.S. team switches up their tactics. Instead of a three-quarters pressure defense, like they've been using pretty much all tournament, they will start pressuring the entire field. All players, particularly the midfielders, will spend the entire game pressing Brazil whenever they're in possession, as opposed to dropping back into coverage. It's an exhausting strategy, especially on a summer day like this at Stanford Stadium. I
2: remember that match was super hot. I remember the field felt incredibly big.
0: But it works. And the U.S. seals the game with a penalty kick by Michelle Akers in the 80th minute. (laughs) And that was the end of the game. It was just, the score did not show how that game went at all. Even though the final score shows the U.S. winning 2-0, this game easily could have gone the other way. Brianna Scurry made save after clutch save throughout the game, denying Brazil on all of their dangerous scoring opportunities. There's always a point in a
3: tournament where you have to be able to win games ugly. And if you can't do that, then you're not going to win. And it happens every single time.
0: Team USA is on to the World Cup final. And their opponent, China.
5: One of the two very best teams in this World Cup going at it. And China's had the edge lately.
0: China is the only team to have beaten the United States earlier in 1999. And they did it twice, including a heartbreaking loss three months earlier when Brandy Chastain hit the crossbar on a penalty kick.
3: They had essentially just whooped Norway 5-0 in their semifinal. We were struggling, so a lot of people were like, oh, China's gonna be really tough, and they always
0: are. And in the World Cup, China has outscored its opponents 19-2, to and the US knows that slowing down an attack like that in the finals in Pasadena, California is going to be especially difficult because, once again,
2: it was hot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was so hot.
0: The temperature on the field is 107 degrees, but the heat doesn't stop 90,000 fans from showing up. As soon as we
3: were declared going to be in the final, like they sold out in two hours, they said they could have sold 200,000 tickets. And so, there was definitely a groundswell happening in women's sports and women's soccer in particular, and so we picked the perfect time to have our World Cup and all
0: eyes were on us. The game gets underway. And even though both of these teams have scored a lot leading up to this match.
2: It was more like a defensive game. Our defenses were doing great. You know, we weren't getting many opportunities on goal. They didn't get too many.
0: They had 19 goals in the tournament. How did you guys manage to make this such a defensive battle?
2: You know, we had to just make sure we held our own defensively. Not only like like our defensive line, but our whole defense, midfield to forwards. Everyone had to work and make sure we try to put pressure on them.
0: Scurry says maybe China shouldn't have made it such a defensive game. They're concerned
3: about counterattack. And so the game was a little bit between the 18s, not as much, you know, in the goal box like I had expected. I think they did themselves a disservice by changing the way
0: they were playing. And the anchor of the United States' aggressive, defensive approach, Michelle Akers.
4: She's been the most consistent player for the United States. She's the heart and soul of the midfield as well, even battling chronic fatigue.
0: Akers leads the charge in shutting down China's best striker, Sun Wen, who scored seven of China's 19 goals in the tournament.
5: She is the captain, but she's been really taken out of this game by the U.S. defense.
0: Minute after minute ticks by, and the game stays scoreless.
2: And it was just like, when was something gonna give? It's gonna come down to which player
4: digs it out and which player digs deep and tries to make the difference in this game. I haven't seen a real superstar emerge.
0: After 90 minutes, the game is still tied, zero to zero. Both teams are staring down the barrel of potentially 30 more minutes of overtime. And for the first time ever in a Women's World Cup, the golden goal will be in effect. The next goal wins it all. Less than two minutes in the extra time. Disaster for the United States. China takes a corner kick. Brianna Scurry jumps to punch the ball away. But in doing so, accidentally connects with Michelle Akers' head. we got a player down for the United States. Akers collapses to the ground. At this critical point in the match, any injury is bad. But this is the worst-case scenario.
5: Tough way to end. Up michelle Akers woozy.
0: without acres patrolling the middle of the field the u.s is left with a large defensive hole for china to exploit
2: when michelle went out i think they went woo,
3: michelle's got this is great for us michelle had essentially grabbed that game by the scruff and was just you know controlling it by herself and neutralizing everything that china was trying to do through the midfield she was like three people in one we were just trying to hang on
0: China gets its best chance to score in the 100th minute of the game with another corner kick sent eight yards directly in front of the goal. And for a moment, it looks like Team USA's World Cup dream is dead. Until. The ball is launched toward the upper left-hand corner of the goal. Just past the outstretched arms of a diving Brianna Scurry. But at the last moment, Christine Lilly, at just five foot four, perfectly times her jump and clears the ball away with a brilliant game-saving header.
2: I'm too short, so no one wants me to head the ball. Usually that's my weakest part of the game, my heading, so you go figure. This happens. We're just kind of like smiling, like, did that just happen? And then we were still alive.
0: Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good And even better to be lucky and good
3: If you think about it, that ball is 6 inches higher Or over to the left, or whatever If she doesn't get it, that game would have been over right there
0: After 90 minutes of regular time And another 30 minutes of punishing overtime The score is still 0-0
5: just look at the watch. That's it. The winner of the 1999 Women's World Cup will be decided on penalty kicks.
0: If you've never seen a soccer game go into penalty kicks before, here's how it works. Each team chooses five players to take one free shot at their opponent's goalkeeper from just 12 yards away. The team that makes the most out of five wins.
3: My job is to save one and all the kickers' jobs is to make one. And if you do that math, we win.
0: China's first kicker scores past Brianna Scurry to put a little extra pressure on Carla Overbeck, the first kicker for the U.S. But Overbeck cleanly slots the ball into the left side of the goal. China's next kicker also scores. And USA's Joy Fawcett matches by blasting the ball into the right side of the net so hard that the goalie doesn't even move. With the PKs tied at two apiece, China's Liu Ying steps up. Scurry is waiting and watching.
3: I usually didn't look at the other kicker, but something in my mind said, look. So I looked at her, and she kind of had her shoulders down, and she didn't look like she was very confident to me. And I knew I was going to save it before I even got in there.
5: The shot saves Scurry!
3: I, I rolled up out of that save and I just exploded. I, I, like, I like roared like a lion, you know. I was just like, yeah, you know, pounding on my chest and, you know, pointing at my teammates and stuff.
0: Now, the rules for P.K. say that a goalie is supposed to stay on the end line until the ball is kicked. So did Scurry maybe break the rule to make the save? You know, you go a little early.
3: Or a lot early, in some cases, (laughs) like me. We have to think the referees didn't call it,
0: so it's like...
3: Exactly! Thank you! Thank you!
0: After Scurry's save, the U.S. just needs to make its next three PKs to win the 1999 World Cup. First up, Christine Lilly, who makes her kick easily in the upper left. China's next two players also score, sandwiched around the U.S.'s Mia Hamm. So it's all tied 4-4, with just one spot kick remaining for the United States.
3: The USA could win the World Cup on this next kick.
5: Chastain will take it.
0: Brandy Chastain. The same Brandi Chastain who, just a week earlier, nearly cost her team with an own goal against Germany. The same Brandy Chastain who actually missed the PK against China's goalkeeper Gao Hong earlier in the year. The same Brandy Chastain who might not even be kicking a PK at all if Michelle Akers were still in the game. I think she felt like she she was a little bit
3: surprised. She said that they picked her to, to make the kick, but she's like, okay, they they trust me.
0: And head coach Tony DiCicco has got a little trick up his sleeve.
3: Tony told her to use her left foot and not her right foot. And her left foot, I mean, she's bipeduous. Her left foot is as good as her right, but Gao didn't know that.
0: Chastain carefully places the ball down on the painted white dot, exactly 12 yards away from the center of the goal. She takes six steps away from the ball, brushes the hair out of her eyes, and stares at the goal. Then, she makes her approach.
1: She missed a penalty kick against Charlie in the Algarve Cup, and they lost that game.
0: With her left foot, Chastain buries the ball in the right side netting, before ripping off her jersey and falling to her knees, as she's mobbed by her teammates. And the USA are world champions once again. Jubilation on and off the field. Chastain's shirtless celebration instantly becomes the talk of the soccer world. Male soccer players celebrate this way all the time, but for Chastain, taking off her shirt This is a first.
1: Every soccer player does that. It was no big deal. And then you're like, wait a second. That is a big deal. I'm sure she knew exactly what she was doing. I mean, they were a little defiant like that in general as a team. Like, don't you dare limit us. Don't you suggest
0: we can't do what the guys can do. Again, Julie Kliegman of Sports Illustrated.
4: She rips off her shirt revealing the black Nike sports bra, which was such a thing at the time. I mean, you had the Washington Post like writing an article afterward about like the popularity of sports bras. It was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. It was on the cover of all these different publications. And, you know, rightfully so, that was huge.
0: With the World Cup win, women's soccer popularity reaches an all-time high in the U.S. We started to go
2: on Letterman and people talk about it. And then we saw that 40 million people watched it on TV and we're like, holy cow.
1: That was one of the greatest championship events I've covered. That was such a special team and such a transformative time. And I think that, you know, they elevated women's soccer forever, but they'll always be like the miracle on ice of the women's soccer world. Nobody's going to surpass that.
0: The 1999 World Cup is seen as an inflection point for women's soccer in the United States. Their impact is still felt today.
4: I think we can attribute a lot of the success that U.S. soccer has today back to that 99 team. Even if the U.S. didn't win that tournament, I'd like to think we would still be investing the same amount in women's soccer. But the reality is, you know, that probably wouldn't necessarily be true.
0: But because they did win,
4: You had all these younger players coming up who were inspired by that generation of players. The 99ers are legends on every level of the game.
3: We were doing something together that we didn't even understand the impact it would have on the world, honestly. Um, Not just soccer, not just women's soccer, but women everywhere and young girls and boys too you know like that impact that we had of what women could achieve of what we could expect and demand it it makes me feel like my life was well lived
0: thanks for listening to sports history this week for moments throughout history that are also worth watching, check your local TV listings to find out what's on the History Channel today. Other notable sports stories that happened this week? 1966. AstroTurf makes its first appearance in the outfield of a Major League Baseball game at the Astrodome in Texas. And 2011. Abby Wambach scores one of the most iconic goals in soccer history off a pass from Megan Rapino in the 122nd minute against Brazil at the World Cup. If you'd like to get in touch, please shoot us an email at sportspod@history.com or leave us a voicemail at 212-351-0410. We'd love to hear from you. Special thanks to our guests, Julie Kliegman, Copy Chief for Sports Illustrated. Christine Lilly, Team USA midfielder. Brianna Scurry, Team USA goalkeeper. And Amy Shipley, former sports reporter for The Washington Post. This episode was produced by David Ingber. It was story edited by me, Kaylin Jones, and Julia Press, and sound designed by Bill Moss. Sports History This Week is also produced by Cooper McKim. Our senior producer is Ben Dixstein. Our associate producers are Emma Fredericks, Hazel May, and Jonah Buchanan. Our supervising producer is McKamey Lynn, and our executive producer is Jesse Katz. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review Sports History This Week wherever you get your podcasts.
5: Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
0: Copyright 2023, AE Television Networks, LLC. All rights reserved.